0: Well, hello, Corey. Hello, Rachel. I was thinking that we would do something different today and act incredibly professional. What do you think about that?
1: Uh, Well, let me get this out first. What's up, Ding Dongs? Okay, now.
0: Okay. Welcome to a podcast about movies. It's called Side Talks. I'm Rachel Morgan. I'm the creative director for the Sidewalk Film Festival and Cinema.
1: And I'm Corey Kraft. I'm one of the programmers who works with uh, Sidewalk as well.
0: See how nobody really wants that?
1: Um, they are you know, really, a terrible idea. I
0: really don't think they want that. People, I don't think people are looking to us for professionalism.
1: People do want me to shriek,
0: <laughs> "What's up, ding dong?" No, they don't want that. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. We yes, have to find do. a happy medium.
1: No, no, no. <laughs> I, I've gotten so many letters of support. Uh, a lot You're of people are so full of shit. Finding me on the street and saying, um, "What's up, ding dong?" to me as well. I'm um, trying
0: to put my cap on over my headphones so that I have my hair done today, y'all. You I have, want everybody to know. I had it colored, and so I've been wearing a cap because it got washed in the middle of the day. It looks just absolutely outrageous. And you so, have a big
1: red cap that says Make America Great Again on it. <laughs> yeah,
0: I got my mega cap on. <laughs> I actually have my ET trucker cap on.
1: It is, it is a big red cap, but it does have Which, just an embroidered uh, image of ET. Is he giving a peace sign, or is he no, just No, he's like, saying
0: phone home. Oh, okay. I, you know what? If I saw a man in a truck stop, wearing this trucker hat i would i don't know what i would do with myself i would love it yeah
1: i, mean, I would love it president. it would be pretty amazing
0: president anyway it's not it's here it's in my possession uh, <laughs> but you can't see it because you're just listening to us
1: that's right so just visualize the week right. your imagination
0: picture it now take a moment okay now we can do the podcast you all ready? right
1: let's do it get ready for a five minute fight
0: five minute round one fight, fight. Five minute fight. Start that timer, Brad. And Sam, Sam's not here today, so Brad's going to weigh in.
1: That's right. Um, this is more of a five minute disagreement that we <laughs> discovered when uh, in the last what we're yeah. watching segment. Because uh, I've been watching Paul Schrader's filmography, and today we're going to argue about his third film from 1980, American Gigolo, starring Richard Gere as the titular character um now everything you said in the segment uh i agree with this movie looks great it sounds great the soundtrack is wonderful it's the got lighting this, is
0: gorgeous the cinematography is amazing it's got
1: this slate gray sort Stylish. of noirish style to it uh coupled with all of the beautiful suits that gear gets to wear throughout this thing um, that really gives it a wonderful. What side
0: look. are you on? Um, I-, I am fighting pro this film, and you would think Corey is fighting pro this film. This but is he's a not. movie that
1: I like. The, but okay. but our, our What's disagreement, I think, comes in Gears' performance. Look, I, I I like Paul Schrader's films a lot. Paul Schrader is obviously drawing from his transcendental style homies um, in his filmmaking, specifically Robert Bresson. The ending of Brisson's movie Pickpocket is directly referenced in like 4 or 5 of What of, is your get are you're, you're just to it. burning I'm time. To it. Um see you interrupted me and now I lost my train of thought. Um <laughs> That's part of my strategy. The Brisson sort of style sure. is this sort of blank slate on which, you know, the the viewer mm-hmm. can project yeah. whatever motivations, right? That's kind of part of the point. And and gear does not really embody that style.
0: Oh, I think you're well so wrong. I think... I think It's p- okay.
1: It needs a more magnetic performance. No.
0: Okay, so here's the thing. And so that's where we really disagree, okay. is that you think Gear isn't the right person to cast for I, this film, And yes. to be reductive, yes. Yes. And I think he's absolutely perfect. I think that if you think about this film, and you think about casting somebody like Mickey Rourke, this film becomes way too dangerous. Sure. Uh, there is something about Gear, the softness of Gear, he's almost borderline androgynous at certain points he's like he's like a hairless cat
1: he has (laughs) a speck of hair
0: on him which is really pretty to look at and he's kind of he's kind of dumb i think that's part of the point i think part of the point isn't just that he's a blank slate he's he's sort of frantically uh he's he's frantic in a number of different ways but he sort of frantically has low self-esteem but he but he postures in a way that's so much beyond that. Sure. This
1: is this is a person who does not understand the concept of pleasure unless he is delivering it. He's sort of taken it as almost this like hmm. spiritual quest. On on his part, right? I, I see.
0: I think we disagree on the character, and I think part of what he's finding pleasure in is a projected lifestyle, right? It's the, in the touching the clothes, and in the and the cars, and the the being able to pay for things, and the and the lifestyle that he's surrounding himself with.
1: But it's ultimately an empty lifestyle. It
0: is, and I and I think that's part of the point of a story. But but I think that he's the perfect person to come in and look that pretty and be that strange and walk this line between this sort of what I would call like maybe. Frantic insecurity, hmm. and I don't know, youthful. He's going to lose this, right? That's some. That's sort of the. That's something you're thinking the whole time is that this is this is temporary for him. But he's looking at it in, in a long, in, in the longer term. And I think that. And when I say um, the, what I'm talking about with The Thing is this mm-hmm. is sort of his, his sex work that he's doing, yes. right? And so uh, there's also a really interesting chemistry between him and Lauren Hutton.
1: Sure. Who's terrific in this movie.
0: They're both terrific in this movie. And I think them playing off of each other and that age difference. And it's, you know, you're all about Meg and Tom, but Meg and Tom have the sexual chemistry of eight-year-olds on a playground, as I've said before. Oh, you're, um, t-
1: you're, you're doing a, a Sleepless in Seattle reference?
0: I'm doing it any time you put the two of them in a film together, which mm. is all the time, it is literally like watching elementary school kids in the cafeteria. It's a different style of movie, though. That's yeah, it these are not erotic. But it, it, films. Doesn't is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It does,
1: though. It because does because
0: you you support the chemistry between the two, and I disagree. That I don't think there's any chemistry. They're still in, they're still in a romantic there situation. There is
1: there is a playful chemistry in those movies oh, to match on. a playful. I think tone. that
0: I think that you're wanting something playful for this film and something no, fun, and it's not. not. It's not fun. I'm He's, wanting
1: a more gripping performance at the center along the lines of my favorite Paul Schrader movies like Ethan Hawke and first reformed, like Willem Dafoe in different, Light films. Sleeper. These are
0: different films, but they're
1: playing in the same sandbox. And, and uh, you know, that sort of actually magnetism to sort of uh, capture an audience's attention when we are supposed to be thinking about this character's blank blankness and emptiness, that's a tricky line to walk. And I don't know that gear totally pulls it off for me in this movie.
0: I I've, I think there's a difference between blankness and superficiality, and part of what he he's a person who doesn't really know himself, sure. and a person who has a mysterious background, yes, one in which involves sex work. We don't I, we don't really know what his sexual identity is, and I'm not sure he knows either. And yes. It involves sex work with men, which is you know to some
1: degree in his past, whether right. that was professional or personal. And we, so we don't I, really know. I
0: think it's less blank slate and more a, a, a trauma. I think there's a lot of trauma response that we're seeing in this character that that projects outwardly in this blank slatey kind of way. He's the perfect person for this role. I think you're wrong. Mm.
1: Well, fair enough. I mean, again, it is a movie that I like and I, I kind of, you know, I like it for its straighterness, um more than the sort of gear performance there
0: so let me just ask you this then. okay and the fight is over brad's walking in the room to weigh in
1: uh-huh.
0: i i recognize it's over but who who do you cast then you think richard gear isn't right travolta
1: who? was supposed to oh, originally play the role i think travolta would have been better you've really but got a doofus in the room that's travolta coming off of saturday night fever where frankly he's playing a similar role I mean, not you know one to one, but it's a similar role, and I think that that's that's smart casting. Off I of think that. you
0: could not be more wrong here. Mm-hmm. I really, I mean, it, I,
1: I'm sure there's a way. <laughs> I mean, we we could we could rack our brains and find I, a way that I, I could be more I, wrong. I like I, I could don't. suggest like casting. I don't know, Bert Lancaster for like no, in I, 1980.
0: I, I take that over. I think I'd take that over Travolta. What? Well, come on, you look. I, he's just a dip. Hmm. He's just gonna walk through it like a dipshit.
2: Well, this is easy for me because okay. I've never seen the movie, Yeah, uh-huh. and Rachel wins just because she's standing up for Richard Gere, which really surprises me. <laughs> I, thought, I thought for sure it was going to be like, fuck this, but no.
0: But this is Richard Gere in doing, and that's the other thing, this is uh-huh. Richard Gere doing what he should have continued to do. No, I agree, with that. I agree conti- with that. He should not have he should not have moved into the like handsome salt and pepper-haired older guy kind of bullshit. And what's interesting about this is that he is it's it flips the table on that. He is the sort of young pretty thing in this.
2: Right.
0: Where, you know, he's going to be it is an interesting it is interesting to cast him in Pretty Woman when he's kind of playing the flip side of this. He's sure. kind of playing the Lauren Hutton character yeah, in certain yeah, ways Yeah. In pretty Did you Woman. like
2: him in that movie? No. Okay.
0: No. I don't like him in much. He just he's like a dad character to me and right. I don't see him bring I don't see him bringing any sort of sexual magnetism to any of those roles personally but sure. but he's hot as hell in American Gigolo he's sort of like I get it
1: he hangs dong too it's worth pointing out does that he, he? Hangs dong <laughs> yeah really <laughs> he's just it's just hanging there what year is this movie 1980 80 oh, and it wow. comes
0: out of the gate with a 1980s punch it's like this is what you're going to be looking at for the next five years
1: it, yeah it is um you know Giorgio Moroder doing uh and Blondie doing the score oh nice and it's just um what's the name of that song Call me, yeah, call Just me. over yeah. and over again. Uh, so it rules. Is there a remake of this? There was there a was television a show. Oh, then. television. Yeah. Okay. So fuck that.
2: <laughs> okay. Was that like that was the John Bernthal? Or... Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Um,
1: I hear it's good. I'll never watch it. Why? Because I don't watch TV. Okay. Yeah. Fair.
0: So I won. Finally, finally, I won what, something. Yeah. Sorry. Again, Sorry. A five minute mild disagreement about <laughs> yeah. a movie that I like. That's true. It's so true.
1: you know, I'll take the I'll take the L here. Yeah. I'll take it.
0: What do you like gear in?
1: I like him a lot in Days of Heaven, obviously. Okay, sure. I, I like him a lot in Chicago. I think he's a lot okay, of fun in Chicago. Okay. I like him in some of these more indie movies that he's done in the past, like 10, 15 years, like Arbitrage, uh, which is a little sort of like. So you don't dislike drama. this guy? I don't dislike him in general. I just I don't. You, you find acknowledge
0: he's got the chops.
1: He's got the chops. I just don't find this a perfect fit. In American uh, Gigolo. I think now so- I reserve the right to rewatch this movie one day and well, completely reverse my position. Well, you know what? we're going position.
0: to because we are. I've been threatening to do it, and damn it, we're going to do it. We're going to do an erotic '80s series, and then hopefully follow it up with an er- erotic '90s series. And American Gigolo just has to be in there. It has to be at, well, it. Well,
1: you put this on the big screen at Sidewalk. I'll come. Yeah, watch it. We'll,
0: we'll argue. Maybe we'll discuss again. Yeah. Well, we're back with our new, new, new segment, music, 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 or, you know, what we could do what music, music, <laughs> music, there it is. We, we we're not going to make that's... you sing, Brad, yeah, you're right. a musician. So exactly. we don't want to, you know, we don't want you to save don't your voice. Yeah, we don't, we don't want to
1: pay for it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I have a question for y'all related to music. Yes. Mm. So I would like to know from you a song that really changed for you after seeing it in a film. And when I say this, I mean a song that you you didn't learn about the fir- for the first time in a film, but sure, sure. you're familiar with. You see the scene, mm-hmm. and you cannot think about that song the same way again. Right. Yeah.
2: Mine's easy, and probably I don't know. It was Tiny Dancer and Almost Famous. Yeah, I
0: mean that's that's that a good was one. like yeah.
2: I liked that song before. I liked Elton John, whatever. But and personally, I, that was was that two thousand? Uh, yeah, ninety nine or something 2000. like that. Two thousand. Um, how do you know all that stuff? I'm just, you, like, isn't I'm just it a crazy? freak of nature. I don't in, know what to do. It's but ridiculous. it also coincided with, like, I think I watched that movie for the first time on a tour bus. Oh, when I first started touring. Yeah. So, like, for me, it was like a personal thing too. was yeah. Like now, every time I hear that song, I don't know. I get some good feels. You know yeah, what yeah. I
1: mean? Love it!
0: It's a. It definitely is a memorable scene. I, I don't think I can hear that song and not at least for a second of yeah. it think about that scene. I Man.
1: love that movie. I need to rewatch that movie. You know I don't I, like that. I movie. I know you, you don't, know I don't like, like that the, movie. We fought that, haven't we? Yeah. I, yeah. We must have. I'm sure. Um, because it's good. So we, of course, we fought about
0: it. Yeah. Oh shut! Shut, <laughs> shut up and answer the question, Corey. Well, my answer is a little more
1: obscure. Um, you know, all through my childhood at, uh, you know, at the skating rink, like a little rat that I that I was, a little rat child on my roller skates, you know, what would you hear but, you know, 90s electronica. Of course. Um, and so my selection is by the group Corona. It's the rhythm of the night. Oh, it's the rhythm wow. of the night. Wow. Now you would never think that the rhythm of the night of all songs would be you know used to soundtrack one of the most wrenching but beautiful endings to any movie ever, but it does do that indeed in the 1999 film Beau Travail from uh, director Claire Denis. Um, so Beau Travail is a movie about a French legionnaire who is an obsessive um, about his work. He kind of starts to develop this thing that may or may not be an attraction to one of his new recruits um, because he he's working through stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I don't want to spoil how this movie progresses, but um, at the end of the film, um, when we've sort of gone through this, this sort of tragic story uh, and our character is kind of left with with very little, we, we end with this flashback to him in this this nightclub, the only place that we've seen him be able to even remotely kind of unclench and let loose. And the actor, uh, who's uh, Denis Levant, who's, who's probably well-known not only for this, but for um, being a crazy madman in movies like Holy Motors and, and the recent movie The Mountain, um, he just does this... In in one single take, mind you, almost spontaneous dance to the rhythm of the night. Um, that is one of the most remarkable moments um, of just like an an actor and a character just dancing out all of their repression and anger. Sure. Um, but just this remarkably moving, unusually moving conclusion to this this really gripping story. Um and it's it's one of those scenes like you should sit down and watch Beau Trevai from start to finish, but barring that, yeah, you can check it out on YouTube, the ending of Beau Trevai, and just see Denis Levant just go batshit nuts to the rhythm of the night and you know you see it in the context of the movie there's a better than average chance that you might find yourself getting weirdly emotional (laughs) to this cheesy 90s club song that uh Mm. i remember most vividly from my from my skating rink rat days in what year is this movie 1999 so it's like a five-year-old song by that point yeah
0: do you think that that scene influenced afferson
1: I mean, probably yeah. uh, that that movie and Claire Denis in general True. influenced right. After Sun. I think pretty profoundly. That's another great movie with just like a bunch of like Euro pop and and Euro like club needle drops all throughout. <laughs> yeah, and, and oh, they're in
0: Turkey. In yeah, the, in the what eighties. So
1: yeah, well, yeah, and and so there's After Sun's a good example because there's a scene where a character does does karaoke and they do losing my religion. Because mm. it was, you know, that's just yes. what we did back then. Sure, um, but if you that's were in another... junior
0: high school, you, that might be what you picked because <laughs> yeah. you know you do not know better. <laughs> um,
1: but you know, that's that's another kind of moment that that you just reminded me of. Actually, yeah, the, that I yeah. love. I mean, well, I
0: have a freaking list of these things. Let's I hear mean, them. I have a list. You know, too, I I, sh- I really shouldn't go through all of them, but I will tell you the one that stands out the most okay. to me because I have I've talked about this before, and we we our very first uh, inaugural book and film club, we did Purple Rain, and sure. I I talked a lot about it, and I actually wrote a little thing that got published in a cool book, um the the Mall's book. Yeah. Yeah. Which um, anyway, um, it's it's kind of fu- a fun article, but I that I or essay that I wrote, um, but it's Purple Rain. And when I went to go see Purple Rain in the cinema, and uh, that opening scene when it's Let's Go Crazy, Mm -hmm. Uh I cannot hear the song now and not Uh. want for that version. Because you know how it's like, (laughs) and they they just loop that. like They just keep hitting that beginning home, and it's such a better version, I think.
2: That's interesting. Purple Rain was on my list, too, but uh, I I hadn't thought about them looping that intro part.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're or just sort of they keep,
2: to the record or whatever you know because it's
0: live right. and so they just are hitting that yeah. that just over and over and over again um, and yeah. it just kind of keeps going and it's building the tension of the of mm-hmm. the scene at the club in the club so yeah anyway it was it was I always my first concert was the Stray Cats hmm. and my mom oh, took wow. me. And um, so, yeah, it was, in, it was in like the Astrodome in Houston or something nuts. It was some, one of the big like, odd, uh, amphitheaters in Houston. And, uh, and my, so my mom took me. But I really feel like my first concert experience feels more like Purple Rain. Cause we got dropped at the mall and it was right. just me and my friends. Yeah. And when the music started and it was like, dearly beloved, everybody was on their feet. <laughs> yeah. This is opening yeah. night, yeah. It was opening night, man. Cool. And everybody was on their feet. And I felt like I was at a fucking Prince concert.
2: Nice. That's so amazing.
0: yeah. Experiential, but also just that song in that film, you, you know, you, you hear it in a different way and kind of appreciate that song more. Cause that song can, can get overplayed. So you sure. hear it so much. But when I think, To that, to the version of it that's in the film, makes me really happy. Sure.
2: You another one that I thought of that is this weird. Don't you forget about me at the end of the Breakfast Club?
0: Oh no, it's totally memorable. That's okay. I think that's what I associate
1: that. But like, that's an example of a song that I probably encountered for the first time in that context. Uh, So like, I I I kind of disqualified that from this discussion sure, yeah, since it's fair. not a song that was transformed for me by that movie. Same, same with like stuck in the middle with you. Like, I don't know how familiar I was with that song before sure. I saw Michael Madsen cut a motherfucker's you ear off. You definitely heard it.
0: I, <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's part of what it. Tarantino's doing there, yeah. right? Yeah. Is he's like, I'm going to take the song that everybody knows and they're never going to forget this song now. I'm right. going to, you know, it's this sort of upbeat poppy thing and I'm going to make it just about as nasty as it can get.
1: Yeah. But, but that's, that's always been kind of a close association Uh, like for me but it it kind of started there yeah I got you um,
0: yeah, I mean, I have you know. There's obviously Sister Christian and Boogie Nights. Oh God! You can't, you can't, oh right, That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then in um, in Monster and Patty Jenkins' film, uh, to me, like skating the, the, the skating rink scene, the journey, don't stop believing. Yeah. You can't think of and and Boys Don't Cry, Boys Don't Cry. When they're sure. when oh, right. when she's yeah. running out of the jail with Chloe Sevigny, and it's this. Mm. It's one of the very few moments in the film that feels really hopeful and. You uh-huh. know, there's like a, there's like this this surge of like excitement almost in their relationship at that moment. And it's so short lived. And I think that's part of what makes it memorable. But this is like and it's also it also is a turning point because it's the point where you realize she's she's gotten her from the women's j- prison right, or from right, the jail right, where yeah. they're holding women. Right. So she knows it's a woman at this mm-hmm. point. And she still goes, and they kind of have this like triumphant moment. Right. It reminds me a little bit of the of the scene that doesn't involve any music, but with the uh, the hero shot with Willem Dafoe and the Florida Project. Uh-huh. You don't get a whole lot of like triumphant moments in that film, but that's one. Yeah, and so it always sticks with me. But there's also another one that is really subtle. It's not one of these like hits home, but I can't hear the song and not think about it. And it's in Foxes. Adrian line film boxes. Jodie Foster comes home and sits on the couch and puts on Boston more than a feeling. Oh yeah. And it's just kind of sitting there before her mom comes in the room with this, like what the fuck are you doing? Kind of like mom, yeah. mom bullshit. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. And she's just sitting there like sinking into the couch, listening to more than a feeling. And it, it, for some reason I, I just go to that scene with that song. That's cool.
1: I love that scene in monster. a lot. It's amazing. Like In, in 2003, that was just like one of the scenes of the year for me. Oh, for sure. But
0: my, my closest association
1: <laughs> with "Don't Stop Believing" is the last scene of the Sopranos. You can't yeah. not
0: think of that either, Worse. and it's it's rare. I think that's what's funny is it's rare, like when a film ta- when a film takes yeah. or a, a, you know media in this way right takes a song and kind of re-owns it. Yeah. How dare another piece of media come along and, and also own it? it yeah. And yet here you have two. things. I'm not mad at either one of them. I know. They're yeah, both yeah. so incredibly successful. Yep. It's it says a lot about that song. I think. Yep. Well, also, I should mention, I mentioned the mall book that I wrote a little essay for about, um, I think it's called like Fast Times at Willowbrook Mall was what I called the essay. It's Michael Golensky a good friend of ours mm-hmm. and a friend of the festival. Um, and he has a book and I don't remember the name of it, but it's a it's, a, it's a dead, he took photos of the, of the malls in the 80s. And so it's this oh, sort wow. of look back at the malls. And I think I called it dead malls, but it's not. It's actually very, very much alive malls. They're just photos from the the heyday of them. I just think
2: of Debbie Gibson and uh, who is the other big female Tiffany, S- T- Tiffany, yeah. Yes. yeah, performing in the malls, Good God. yeah,
0: yeah. Anyway, well, that's a. I have a long list, man. A Trouble, Cat Stevens, and oh, Harold and sure. Maude. Okay. Yeah. okay. you know, yeah. You can't listen I, about and not think about little Harold with the banjo because he. The other right. thing is it becomes diegetic in the sense that he starts he plays it out at the end of it. You know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and the Trouble soundtrack,ing of course, the very sad ending of that yeah. movie yeah. is 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 something I always think yeah. of. Um, how about uh and I'm good getting back on the Cameron tr- – Camera oh, train here we Uh-oh. go. Uh-oh. Um, using Radiohead's "Everything" in its right place in that scene in Vanilla Sky at the oh, beginning, when dude. Tom Cruise is looking at the completely empty, empty New York Times square. Uh, time square. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh
0: well. Also, when him and Penelope Cruz, that's another one. I mean, that film. I will say Vanilla Sky does it a lot uh-huh. mm-hmm. because in the scene where there, it's the Peter Gabriel song. It's the oh, Salisbury Hill. Yeah, Salisbury yeah. Hill. That's and right. And when they they have that like wonderful night before everything takes the dark uh-huh. turn, uh-huh. and they're that song and that scene that that is an incredible scene yeah it does it does capture that that sort of excitement and the moment of first meeting somebody and that the possibility that could right. be around the corner that scene really does it it's a cool movie
2: and they end in uh, sigurus at the end uh-huh. before
0: he jumps yeah
1: i think it's i always wild think of that falling, too falling. Like, <laughs> and you get that montage mm-hmm. yeah the sigurus Oh God! A good great yeah,
0: soundtrack to that. Uh
1: huh. Oh, for and, sure. And then cut to credits with that original song from Paul McCartney, which is a real flex on Cameron Crowe's part. Yeah. Let me that's just true. grab an.
0: Let me grab an original we'll grab song. Grab Paul. Yeah. Anyway, that's a long list. That's a lot of stuff to to go and listen to, y'all.
1: Movies, they're great.
0: <laughs> Music, we like it. Music <laughs> It's for people have- that could just be that. I was say, Music. <laughs> I've got the lyrics completely wrong, too. Sorry, Madge. Nobody knows
1: the lyrics.
0: Madge knows them. Don't you Does worry. She? Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you for listening to Side Talks Podcast. We're your own personal cinematic Twin Peaks and Hooters. I don't care <laughs> You're not if we are not talking about it the
1: television series, I No, I I'm
0: talking about which do you choose. If you have a choice... Corey, are you going to Twin Peaks or are you going to Hooters?
1: I don't even know. What, what kind of food does Twin Peaks offer?
0: It is. Do you want to try to take a guess at that? I mean, I guess
1: it's just like, dude, like burgers, burgers and Burgers. They've got one
0: of those burgers that stacked to the roof. Sure. They've got some chicken fingers. They've probably got some wings. But I you guess know. that's all. Like, asking
1: what kind of food do you have at your restaurant is like a <laughs> secondary concern with I, most people.
0: I can tell you one thing they have on the menu, because you know I had to take a little peek. Uh-huh, uh-huh. There is a drink. There there were many drinks on the menu. Most of them had just regular names. They have a whole like uh, Moscow mule thing. One of them is called like America. Sure. Because you know, you don't want this to be a Moscow mule. You need it to be America mule. Right. But I took a liking to Angry Balls, <laughs> <laughs> which is Fireball. Oh my God. And Angry Orchard Hard Cider mixed oh, together. No. God yeah, damn it. It is Angry Balls. They, they were just like. You know, this is definitely like which came first, the chicken or the egg. Yeah. I 100% think somebody didn't go, you know what tastes good together? Fireball and Angry Orchard. Somebody went, man, don't name a drink. Fucking Angry Balls. What can we do? And that's how that happened.
1: I don't like it, but oh, I guess. I-
0: gotta pick one.
1: Because it (laughs) shares the name with that television series that I like, I'm going to go with Twin Peaks, but I don't feel good about it.
0: I'm letting you choose. I think you made the right choice. Both of these places are highly inappropriate and upsetting, and I have gone to both of them. One of which, uh, Twin Peaks at the Dallas Film Festival, it was really the only place to get food. It was in the general area, and I spent a good bit of time there. Um, And the women were all packed up like a little wolf pack next to the fireplace because they were wearing hardly anything and they keep the temperature low for you know reasons I'm sure you can guess. And so they no were just, what what are
1: they? <laughs> Could you explain them in detail?
0: <laughs> because it's called Twin Peaks, oh, it actually okay, never has mind. a David Lynchian kind of thing going on in the yeah. sense there's a big roaring fireplace. Great. Like the Grand Northern or the Great Northern, right? And uh, and so anyway, all the women were dog piled up in front of the fire because they were wearing the shortest shorts and the shortest shortest little tops. Um, and I've also been to Hooters. I once went on a date to Hooters thinking it would be funny to go. We were going to the fair and then we went to go see 8 Mile. Uh, and I was uh, like, what What better evening? Than to- <laughs> that, is a, <laughs> that is a really good time. It really, that's what I thought. But anytime I've gone to Hooters, it's backfired. There was once when I went and I was like, it, again, all thinking like, this is going to be fun. It's all yeah. in good fun. It'll be funny. No, it's never funny. No. Um, there was that same night. I was like, I'm there. And I'm like, we're doing this kind of ironically. And then the one girl like blows a whistle and goes, we're going to have our tote tray races now. And What
1: does that mean? They
0: put, they put like dish trays on the ground and girls would get in them and another girl would push them across the floor. Oh. And I was like, fuck this. I feel like an absolute asshole for being here right now I, and contribute I have, to the
1: shit. I have been to a Hooters a couple times, not in like years and years. Right but mostly because for, you know, depending on where you you go, you want to make a day of it at the movie theater, but you want to grab a quick lunch in between movies in whatever time you can. Sometimes that's all you got near nearby. So like, there used to be that movie theater out on Highway 280 here in Birmingham, the Brook Highland Theater, with a Hooters. Oh, yeah, there was next a Hooters north.
0: right there. Now, RIP, y'all. But yeah. yeah,
1: And then at the Cobb Hollywood 16 or the former Cobb Hollywood 16, whatever it's called now in Tuscaloosa, there's a Hooters right over there. there so is. One time, I was just like, well, I got a couple minutes. I got to get some wings. How I guess. was that? Uh, uncomfortable both times yeah and it was just me by myself and like that's not a position you You want you really don't hooters by yourself
0: you really really you don't i i feel like you can't go i'll tell y'all the last time i went was because my friend candace and you know there's a segment on this podcast a sporadic segment called things that candace says in a movie and she was like they've got vegetarian wings at, at hooters we should go and I didn't, you know, I meat. And they were good. We went, we had the vegetarian wings. It was, you couldn't find those anywhere at this time. And I made a trip to the restroom where in the bathroom, I'll tell you right now, I bet y'all haven't ever been in a women's restroom at the Hooters. That's true. Um, on the counter, there were two curling irons plugged in. Uh-huh. And on the wall, there was a giant uh, pantyhose dispenser. Like you put in a dollar and quarters and got a little thing of pantyhose out.
1: Presumably for employees.
0: Yes. I mean, I, I, I could have gotten some if I wanted them, but, but yes. But,
1: they're I, I guess the point is like you're charging your employees. Oh yeah, for, they're for not. Pantyhose? They're definitely
0: not supplying them with pantyhose. So, um, oh, okay, yeah, great. we could probably start an entire podcast on things we've seen at Hooters but between we the tote trays and. the <laughs> – Well, you know how long ago it was that? Was the last time I went, and that's been years ago. That was before there were vegetarian wings anywhere, yeah. and then prior to that was when Eight Mile was out. So, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty, so it's been some time for been, both of us. It's been a minute. This is maybe the longest outro we've ever done. That but can't be we true. really needed to bring you up to speed about, you know, Hooters and, and Twin Peaks.
1: Well, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks to Boutwell Studios, of course, for putting this show together. Thanks, Brad. Yes, sir. Uh, and check us out online at Sidewalkfest.com or on social media at Sidewalkfilm. See what we're doing at the cinema and, hey, why don't you come see a movie with us because we're showing some great stuff, including at some point down the line, this erotic 80s series that that Rachel keeps threatening. But, hey, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, So so sidewalkfest.com, that is, again, where you can get tickets to what we're doing at the cinema. Come see a movie with us. Bye.
0: You know, let me just add this uh, on the altrofs. People are still n- listening. Nobody. Nobody's probably still listening, uh-huh. but um, I just thought both of these uh, both of these restaurants logos have boobs in them. Twin Peaks has the mountains that are referential, sure, and sure. you know, Hooters is the owl's eyes, but they're boobs. Oh man, restaurants! I, let's give it to them. They take it from tip to tail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: there's, there's no half measures. They're going all in. Shout out to Andrew Bajowski, too, for that movie, Support the Girls.
0: (laughs) Very true. Support the Girls is a wonderful movie. Great film. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.